0: Let's take God's word once again and turn to the Old Testament book of numbers. Been looking thinking on this chapter all week numbers chapter 11. We find a very, very interesting. Theme and concept throughout the life of Israel, but. Sort of in a climactic way here in numbers 11. There was a lingering problem amongst God's people. And it was a problem that had followed them out of Egypt, and now into the wilderness. It was something that still plagued them more than a year after they had come out of Egypt. It was the problem of murmuring. For four centuries, more than 400 years, God's people had lived in bondage and slavery, the most horrendous conditions imaginable. And they had developed in that state of slavery, in that state of bondage, they had developed an incessant habit of murmuring. And you can understand it to a degree. I mean, if you lived in those kind kind of conditions when you were being cruelly treated and abused or you would probably be prone to complain and murmur as well. But the problem is they had been set free from that. Boys, they had been set free from that. And a year later they're they're still murmuring and complaining. Now I wonder i wonder what sins have followed you out of egypt i wonder what sins used to control you when you were you when you were living in the world and you were in egypt and god has now since delivered you by his grace but still those sins are following you around now for the last at least 6 weeks in the narrative, Israel had been doing okay. It's at least six weeks because we know they're, they're into the second week of the second month of the second year. And so, we know that in the first day of the first month of the second year, they have set up the tabernacle. We know from then onto where they are now, they'd had a good streak, no problems. And really, we cannot find any problems since that last problem when the, of the golden calf. God came down and great it Moses came off the mountain and and God and anger dealt with that issue and from that time when when God For the second time established that law with his people and we have a a record of all that's happening in the commandments and instructions given from that time until now uh, We have no sign of any problems. They've had a good streak But here it is again I can identify with that sometimes I get a good streak running don't you sometimes I find myself doing okay feeling like maybe I have whipped this problem and then a few weeks into it yeah. back again and that's where we are here it's interesting I mentioned it to the children a moment ago they were only three days out of Egypt and they started complaining Well, they never stopped complaining that's the truth three days into the wilderness wandering three days across the red sea and they they began to complain again we can trace that all the way through our text exodus 15 and verse number 22 the scriptures say moses brought israel from the red sea and they went out into the wilderness of shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara and the people murmured. Three days and they started murmuring. Next chapter, chapter 16, verse number one and two. They took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel. By the way, after God, remember Moses put the stick in the waters of Mara. They became sweet. They could drink of them. God took them to Elam, a beautiful place of palm trees to 12 palms. And they take their journey on the 15th month of the second, uh, 15th day of the second month after departing out of the land. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured. It's one murmur and complain after another in the, se- the 17th chapter. And the Bible says in verse 2, Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses, and over and over and over. This is a perpetual problem of murmuring and complaining. And by the way, some of us may have that same problem. I don't know. I bet your wife knows, or your husband knows, or your father or your mother knows. But this is more than a story about complaining and murmuring. This is more than a historical account about, about a bunch of complainers. There is a grave warning in this text for you and for me today. This chapter, chapter 11 of Numbers, is sandwiched. Between a burning and a burying. The beginning of the chapter, verse number 1, starts with a burning. The fire of God. And at the very end of the chapter, verse number 35, we find the word Kibroth Hatava, which means the place of the burying of lust. So this chapter, all 35 verses... Have a bookends, a set of bookends. At the beginning, a burning. And at the end, a burying. And it's as if God is saying to us, you've got to deal with this problem before you go any further. Now can I tell you, the next chapter is when they send spies to check out the promised land. And you know what happens, you remember. The spies come back and they say, we can't take it. And so for the next 38 years, They're going to wander in the wilderness because they did not believe that they could take the promised land. And I believe that the reason they came back with unbelief is because they went out with unbelief. They went in to spy out the land in unbelief. And because of this problem in chapter 11, when they were presented with the opportunity of more, they chose not to take it. And I believe that if you and I do not deal with these problems of unbelief, of murmuring and complaining and lusting after other things, if we don't deal with it now, then when God presents an opportunity for more, you will never take it. And some of you could probably testify to the fact that many years ago, maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago, God opened a door for you and you never walked through it. And here you are 20, 30, 40 years later, and because you didn't walk through it back then, you're still in the wilderness. And I don't want to be in that position. I don't know how much time we have left before Jesus Christ returns. I I do not know. But regardless of whether I have my whole life ahead of me, or only a couple of weeks, or a couple of years, regardless, I don't want to miss any opportunity because I didn't deal with unbelief and lust. Burning and burying. In many ways, the Christian life, the life of sanctification, the life of being made more conformable into the image of Jesus Christ, in many ways, that life is a series of burnings and buryings. Burning off the dross and burying the lust of the flesh. The Christian life Is a series of recognizing that that is dross. That's unbelief. Let's burn it. Let's consume it before it ruins anything else. That lust needs to be buried. And I want to look with God's help for a few moments at this chapter. I want you to think about the nature of murmuring. How many of you know a murmurer? Would you raise your hand? You don't have to call them by name. But uh, do you know a murmurer? Maybe you live with a murmurer. (laughs) <laughs> now, can I on the out on the surface? Let's talk about murmuring on the surface altogether unpleasant. Yeah. I cannot bear to be around somebody who's constantly murmuring and complaining. I'd rather not be with them yeah. on the surface level. It's just unbearable. Nobody wants to live with somebody who's constantly complaining by the way they tell us i'm not a doctor so i don't know but they tell us that if you incessantly complain and murmur you create, create short waves short paths in your brain so that you become a, a, a habitual complainer meaning you are constantly because you have created in your mind a short circuit as it were a short wave so that now you've trained yourself to murmur and complain that's why oftentimes if you don't deal with it when they're children, when children are murmuring and complaining, they grow up to be bigger murmurers and complainers. There's a whole there's a whole several studies that have been done on the adverse effects of murmuring and complaining to your health, let alone to mine, because I gotta listen to it. Mur- murmuring and complaining is altogether unpleasant. We 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 children don't think. There's always a complaint about the food and always a complaint about the shoes and all the shoes and always a complaint about they got to wear and always a murmur about the, how long the drive is and always this person. And it's constant and it's incessant and it grates on you, doesn't it? That's surface level. Not only that, but did you know that it's contagious? Verse number four scriptures say and the mixed multitude by the way that's the group that came out of Egypt with Israel they weren't Israelites but they came out with them they thought hey this is our way out and uh, we can maybe ride on the coattails of these people the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said who shall give us flesh to eat and then verse number 10 and then Moses heard the people weep throughout the families every man in the door of his tent And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses also was displeased. So the murmuring went from one person to another person throughout the camp. And even the leadership affected by the murmuring. And Moses began to murmur. It's contagious. Isn't it? You put one bad apple in a bunch. You've heard it before, haven't you? The whole rest is spoiled. You put one complainer in the midst of a congregation of non-complainers. And very soon you'll have more complainers. The way it is, it's contagious, it's often dishonest, isn't it? Dishonest, Titus. I'm starving. No, you're not starving, <laughs> dishonest, isn't it? Verse number five. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions. In the garlic. we had an amazing life in Egypt. You bunch of liars. That's dishonest. It was not an amazing life in Egypt. What's wrong with you? Complaining, oftentimes, you you tell yourself that things were actually better than they were. It's dishonest. And it's always connected with ingratitude. Complaining is always connected with being ungrateful. By the way, one of the chief characteristics of living in the last days, top of the list, is unthankful. Unthankful. Verse number 6, the scriptures say, But now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Oh, you mean this angel food? Are you talking about the food that God sent down from heaven? Is that what you mean? Is that all you got? You mean the stuff that you didn't have to plant and it was already there? Are you talking about the, the food you didn't have to go catch? You didn't have to pay a penny for it. Is that what you mean? It's amazing how ungrateful you can be when you begin to complain. Parents, let me give you a bit of advice. Do not let your children complain. Do not stand for it. Because the more you let them complain, then you are setting them up for the rest of their lives to be nothing but an ungrateful complainer. Don't let it happen. No corrugated metal. Tell them. Now, I'm not suggesting you do this, but I'll tell you what my mother did, for, did to me. Growing up, if I complained or if I talked back, if you know what I mean by that, I don't know if that's an American expression. If I talked back to my mother, she'd put soap in my mouth. <laughs> Any of you ever get that as a, as a punishment as a child? Yeah. And believe me, I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm telling you, my mother understood that she was not, it was not good to let a child complain. Now, please don't go home and squirt soap in your child's mouth. Don't do that. But at the same time, don't let them complain. Now, that's surface level problems of complaining and the list goes on. But can I tell you what the worst thing is about murmuring? The worst thing about murmuring is that you have just proven that you are dissatisfied with God. Verse number 20. God says even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you. Why? Because ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying why came we forth out of Egypt? By all of your murmuring and your complaining you are despising the hand of God. You cannot receive the blessings of God if they're what you want and when you want them you can't pick and choose what blessings you want to have and and then complain about those same blessings. I'm reminded of what Pliable said. Do you remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress when Christian and Pliable first left that city of sin and and there they were on their on their journey to the celestial city and Christian had told Pliable about, about all the blessings that are involved in the Christian life. And Pliable was so excited. Oh, blessings! I'm on. I'm in. Oh, I'd love to be a Christian if there are blessings. Here they are in their journey, and only a few steps into their journey. You remember what happens? They fall into that slough of despond. And listen to what Pliable says: "Is this the happiness you have told me about as we have traveled?" If we have such a halting disaster at this early stage, then what may we expect from now till the end of our journey? If I escape out of this with my life, you shall possess the brave country, a love country, alone for me. And so he went back, and Christians saw him no more. I had a conversation here just recently. About those who profess faith in Christ, but have fallen away. Somebody said to me just yesterday, I noticed that you, have, you, you said at the men's prayer breakfast, we had a great breakfast yesterday morning. Uh, he said, I noticed you said a couple of people have made a profession of faith. Why do you word it like that, he said. I said, well, I know some who would say uh, a couple of people got saved. I said, but I won't say that because I don't know. What I can say is they have made a profession of faith. Time will tell whether they have been saved, whether they've been converted. I will not say they have been saved, they've been converted, they've been born again. I I can say they've made a profession of faith. The scriptures even warn us that in these last days that there will be many who fall away. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians and said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. There is a great falling away already taking place. And here in in the wilderness, the whole multitude of so-called children of God are falling by the wayside. Now there are a lot of people who only come to Jesus because they want something. There are some people right here in the tent right now. The only reason they're here is because I know there's a lunch afterwards. They haven't come to hear God's word. They have no intention of hearing God's word or obeying God's word. They've come to get food. There are people who come because they, maybe they're lonely or because they want to get some help. They want to get something uh, off, of, off of someone else. And you're not really interested in Christ And your murmuring and complaining proves that. And that's exactly what's happening here. Murmuring and complaining is evidence that you are not satisfied with Christ himself. Do you remember what Jesus said? I am that true manna from heaven. Manna was a picture of Christ. And they were saying, we don't really want it. And there's some of you who do not really want Jesus. Oh, you want a savior that will pay your bills. And that will fix your health. And that will fix your problems. But you do not want a Lord and a Master. Just like, they they wanted food, but they didn't want that food. You want a Savior maybe, but you don't want this Savior, the only Savior. That's the problem. They got water out of a rock. But Jesus said, I am the living water, didn't he? He is that rock that followed them in the wilderness. But they weren't happy with that because they, they wanted it when they wanted it, in the way they wanted it. Maybe that's you Or they weren't happy with that fire that led them and that cloud that led them not happy by the Spirit of God It wasn't enough They wanted the dainties of this world would you look here for a moment? I want to give you a little warning if you think you can have Jesus and still hold on to the dainties of this world You are sadly mistaken. You are deceived you cannot you either have Jesus and that's enough Or have the world. But you can't have both. You can't have both. The man asked me yesterday, are you surprised when people fall away? I said, surprised? No. Grieved? Yes. But surprised? No. And we'll only see more of that. Especially as perhaps things, the heat is turned up can I ask you this morning are you satisfied with Christ or is it the benefits of Christ that you want Paul warned against this writing to the Philippians in chapter 3 he wrote about those who were enemies of the cross now listen to these listen to this brethren he said be followers together of me Philippians 3 verse 17 be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So there are some who, who are worth following. They're worth seeing that, yes, these are following Christ. And so we can therefore, therefore follow them. For many walk, listen to what he says, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. What are they like? Whose end is destruction, whose God is not Jehovah, Whose God is not Elohim, whose God is not the Lord Jesus Christ, but whose God is their belly. They serve their lust, what they want, not what God wants. Whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. He wrote the same thing to the church at Rome, to the Roman Christians in, in Romans chapter 16. Listen to this verse in verse number 17 and 18. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Do you know what the word heresy means? The word heresy means to choose, meaning you take, choose what part of God's word you want to believe and reject the others. That's really what heresy is. And those who are leading many astray are not serving God, but they are serving their belly. And in Numbers chapter 11, that's what we're finding, murmuring is born out of unbelief and it generates more unbelief. Because if you're complaining and murmuring, what you're saying is you don't really trust God. Uh, You don't really have faith in God because if you had faith in God, you wouldn't complain about the situation you were in. And by complaining more and more and dwelling on it more and more, you generate more unbelief. Which is ultimately why God's people never made it into the promised land because of unbelief let me warn you, if you are a complainer, that is a sign of unbelief in your life. And let me warn you that you will also spread that unbelief to others in your family and others around you. So how do you deal with murmuring? Well, I'll tell you how you deal with it. I'll tell you how God dealt with it. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled. Somebody says, what's the big deal about complaining? At least I'm not a murderer. Somebody once said this. Uh, If you were a murderer, you typically would get away with only one sin of murder. But if you're a complainer, you're doing it every single day and you're lingering and torturing people all their lives. So which one's worse? Of course, sin is sin. Of course, murder is heinous. But murmuring is just as much of a sin. It is sin. It is sin. And it displeases the Lord so much that the anger of God was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. In fact, he burnt up the complainers. He said, ooh, that's pretty harsh, isn't it? It's pretty severe. If murmuring and complaining, if it was just about a little complaint and a little murmur, you might say that's a little harsh, but this is about unbelief. This is about incessantly not trusting a good God who has provided. It's about spitting in the face of God the mercy that he's given to you. And thinking, foolishly, arrogantly thinking that the rubbish of this world is better than the glories of Jesus Christ. And so, they called the name of that place Taborup. Because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. Here's what he said. You name that place Taberah, so that they will remember for the rest. The rest of Israel can remember for the rest of their days not to complain. Now you think that we're... I, now look, if, I was, if we were here this morning and the fire of God came down and burnt up some of us, I think, I hope I'd learn my lesson. I'd hope I'd bite my tongue, cut my tongue out, whatever I needed to do so that I wouldn't murmur and complain. But look what happens. The very next verse. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish that we did eat in Egypt. I don't know how long it was, but not very long later. After they'd watched with their own eyes, their own brothers and sisters being burnt and consumed. They're out of it. And this time, their murmuring takes a whole different level. It goes to lusting. Instead of complaining about what they don't have, they're now wanting what they, what they don't, not supposed to have, what they shouldn't have. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is a problem we always deal with. And can I just say, if you're not careful, what we find, what we learn in the rest of the chapter is very interesting. If you're not careful, God will give you what you want. Now learn that write that in your mind somewhere remember this if you don't remember anything else if you and i are not careful god will give you what you want and believe me you don't want what you want you don't really want what you think you want we think we want it don't we we think we want something but the truth is when you get something you realize hold on a moment i don't really want this i've seen people with relationships Want so desperately to get a relationship. Want so desperately to be married. Want so desperately. So, and then they get into a relationship and they go, Oh, I didn't want this. <laughs> Amen. Or they want a job. So desperately want to climb the ladder of success and get a job. And then when they got it, they said, I didn't want this. And if you're not careful, God will give you what you want. And He did. The Bible says in verse number 16, the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee. What we find here is that God then says, Moses complains as well. He says, it's too much for me. I can't handle it. Now, Moses is a beautiful picture of Christ, but he's not perfect. We see that. And he complains, and God gives him 70 men to help him. But you find out later on, some of those 70 men actually become big problems to him. I mean, up until then, God was sufficient. Remember when Israel wanted a king? We want a king like everybody else. Hold on. Hold on. God may give you what you want. So he gives Moses what he wants, and then he gives Israel what they want. Verse number 19, ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor the ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you. You know what God did? God said, I'm going to give you all the meat you can eat. It tells us that he gave the meat about a meter high, he sent quails stacked up about a meter high, and a day's journey that way out of the camp, and a day's journey that way. Can you imagine? They literally were wading through quail. They had more quail than they could ever eat. They had so much quail that they stuck into it, and then they got sick over it. I'm going to give it to you a whole month until it come out of your nostrils. You know, you know what that means. When you get ill, you get sick. I'm going to give you what you want. But they were going to be, they were going to loathe it. They were going to hate it. And it was going to make them sick. And ultimately, it was going to destroy them. Ultimately, it would destroy them. And if you and I aren't careful, God will give you what you want so that you will hate the thing that you thought you wanted. And that thing will now make you sick and that thing will ultimately destroy you. So if you're not careful, if, if you're not careful and you don't step back and say, hold on a moment, uh, God, whatever you want for me, that's better. Amen. If you're not careful, he will give you what you want. He gave them what they wanted. The Bible says in Psalm uh, 78, speaking about this very thing, in verse number 25, Men did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven. And by his power he brought in the south wind. he rained flesh upon them as the dust and feathered fowls like the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of the camp round about their habitations. Watch this. So they did eat, and they were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. But they were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Gave them everything they wanted, but you know what happened? You and I think that if we get what we want, then our want will go away children are like that, don't they? I want this toy. I want this game. And if you get it for them, they play it for about 30 minutes and they want another one. Because getting what you want is not the answer. I want an iPhone. As soon as you get an iPhone, a newer iPhone comes out. And now you want that iPhone. I want a new car. And as soon as you get a new car, uh, you see another car that you like. And you want that one. Because... Lusting and desiring after things that you shouldn't necessarily have never ever ends. They were not estranged from their lust. It says it again in Psalm 106 in verse 15. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness to their soul. Their belly was filled, but their soul was empty. Look here, can I tell you the worst thing that could ever happen? is for you to get everything you want. Physically, materialistically. And to be starving still in your soul. Murphy said, I've got everything that money can buy, and yet I'm not happy. I wonder why I'm not happy. I'll tell you why he's not happy. Because he has a leanness of soul. So, what's the answer? The Bible says that while the flesh was still in their mouth, think about this. While the flesh, in verse number 33, And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, as they were chewing, ere it was chewed, before it was even chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place, Kibroth Hatovah, because they were buried there they buried the people that lusted. Now hear this, you and I, must either dig a grave for our lust or let a grave be dug for us. You ought to either dig a grave for your lust or a grave will be dug for you. What's it going to be? Either you let God destroy your lust or you let your lust destroy you. What's it going to be? I said earlier at the beginning of the chapter there was a burning and at the end of the chapter there was a burying. They burnt the complainers, buried the lusters, lusting. So burn up your complaints. Bury your lust, your desire. That we might actually live and do something for God. Those secret grudgings and discontentments inside, let them be burnt up. Remember what James says, how great a matter, a little fire kindleth, speaking of the tongue. Get your tongue under control. Now let me give you one last little thought. This I'll encourage you. What happened when the fire was burning and the graves were being dug? There was an intercessor. The fire came and the Bible says in verse 2, the people cried unto Moses and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. Moses here is a picture of Christ, our intercessor. Whoever liveth to make intercession for us, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, who is praying for you and I. But it would do you good to run to Him. Yeah. When you begin to see the chastening of God upon your life, and you begin to sense that God is beginning to burn in your life because of your discontentment, because of your unbelief, then it will be good for you to run to Christ because the only safe place on this earth is Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone. And there's no point in you being destroyed for something that Christ already dealt with. I don't know what has followed you out of Egypt. I don't know what sin, I do not know what sin has followed you out of Egypt. I don't know if you are a complainer, a murmurer, if you've got that critical eye that always causes you when you go home to point out every fault and failure of every person that was underneath the tent on a Sunday. Some of you know people like that. If that's you, ask God by His grace and mercy to deal with that because that is a heinous, wicked sin. And I hope that the people who live with you hear me clearly so they can tell you that when you get home. It's despicable in God's eyes. And were not for the grace of god we'd all be dealt with just like they were then but god is grace gracious isn't he yeah. we're under a new covenant we're under a new covenant but that does not mean hey we can do what they did and expect no consequence not at all i believe that for every christian just around the corner is an opportunity to take what has been promised to his children I believe that but if you don't deal with this now when that opportunity comes you will not be ready for it and you'll never enter in the next chapter they are presented with the opportunity they could have in the next chapter entered into the promised land but because of this chapter they couldn't and if you don't deal with it you're gonna be stuck right where you are for the rest of your life and by the way your wife or your husband or your children know already the truth about your spiritual walk, whether you say anything or not, whether they say anything or not, because of the way that you behave and speak at home. So let God deal with it. If you want to know the reality of someone's Christian life, Leonard Ravenhill said, you want to know the measure of a Christian, then check his prayer life because your prayer life is your Christian life. But if you want to know how someone is walking, then talk to those who are closest to them. Husbands, wife, children. They see everything, the good and the bad. It's easy to put on a brave face when we come together, isn't it? Easy to smile and say, God bless you. How you doing? Keep on the firing line. It's easy. But what about when you're home? When... The real you shows. May the Lord help us. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want what he wants me to have. And if that be manna, then rejoice. In fact, he's given us Christ. What more could you want? Stop dreaming about the things of this world. And be satisfied with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father... Forgive us, please, for our dissatisfaction with thy Son. Forgive us for lusting after the things of this world. Help us to be satisfied with Jesus and Jesus alone. May we put no value, no stock upon things that the eye can see. May we recognize, rather, that The things that are eternal are not seen. Help us, we pray. Please burn up that spirit of unbelief which causes us to murmur and complain and criticize. Deal with that lust, Father, please. Help us to dig graves for the lust that has caused us to stumble and fall so often. Help us, Lord. Change us, Lord. Please don't give us what we want until our desires be thy desires. And then we ask of Thee, Lord grant us. Not our desires, but thy desire for us. Help us to learn what it means to delight ourself also in the Lord. And then, then he shall give us the desires of our heart. We ask this in Jesus name and for his sake.